Welcome to this week's episode of Seen and Heard, industry updates for the modern dairy family. I'm Darby Toth, a technical field services representative with Western United Dairies. We have a great episode to bring you this week. Katie Burgess is sitting in for Tiffany LaMondola and delivers our weekly market update. And that's followed by a great conversation with Tyler Bennett of Bennett Environmental, who had a chance to sit down with Paul Souza and Anya Radabaugh to talk about Bennett's recent work and projects. With that being said, let's jump right in to our weekly market update with Katie. Did you know that you can turn your dairy manure into cash? Bennett Environmental is offering above-ground dairy digesters at no cost to you. These systems can also remove nitrates from your lagoons to help you comply with waterboard regulations. Our proven above-ground technology will generate income for your dairy into the foreseeable future. Because we truck the renewable natural gas off-site, your dairy can profit regardless of your location. Bennett Environmental, turning your wastewater liabilities into sustainable assets. Learn more at bennett-environmental.com. Hi, thanks for having me today. This week featured some ups and downs in terms of dairy prices, but markets ultimately closed lower. Looking at milk futures, for class three, second quarter pricing closed just above $17.50 per hundredweight. That's down 50 cents from last week. Spot block prices were unchanged at 179, but barrels lost 10 cents to slip to 145 per pound. But on the plus side, spot whey prices are up to 61 cents. That's the highest ever for the spot whey market, which started trading in 2018, and overall the highest whey prices we've seen since early 2015. On the class four side, butter closed at 167 down a nickel, and non-fat dry milk lost two cents to close at 115. As a result, April through June milk futures now average 1512 on the class four side. This week, USDA released its latest milk production report, and all eyes were on the California data after last month's report showed contraction, which didn't square with which what with what most processors reported. But USDA revised its January data to plus two percent. And the trend continued into February with California output up 2.1%. That matched the national trends with overall U.S. milk production up 2% compared to a year ago. And when we look at cow numbers, they just keep climbing. The herd picked up 3,000 head during February, bringing it to the largest size in more than 30 years. And when you consider how productive cows are today compared to those back in 1990, It means that we have the potential to have a lot of milk around. When we compare against last year, U.S. cow numbers are up 81,000 head. But the herd is a little smaller here in California, down 3,000 head. But that's offset by substantial gains elsewhere. Texas is up 30,000 cows. Plus, there are an extra 30,000 head in the Mideast and 25,000 extra in the Midwest, as both of those regions are ramping up output to help fill either new or expanded cheese plants in the region. But while there are a lot of cows around, and we expect a strong milk supply heading into spring flush, there is a lot of optimism out there around demand, too. With more and more people vaccinated, we're seeing food service demand pick up. After a year of eating at home, many people are ready to go out and sick of doing the dishes. And so while we expect this expanded restaurant traffic to come at the expense of some grocery store sales, we generally figured that the average consumer consumes more dairy when they're eating out compared to at home, 
So hopefully this trend towards an uptick in restaurant sales means good things for dairy demand. Plus, more and more kids are heading back into the classroom, with nearly 50% of the districts back in class every day. So that opens up more opportunities to move more milk through cartons and more cheese on pizza in those channels. Looking to the week ahead, USDA is going to publish its cold storage data on Monday, giving us a refreshed look at inventory levels. Plus, they're also holding a 12-hour listening session to get feedback on how they should handle the next round of government spending. So we'll see next week what impact those two things have on the market. Thanks all. Have a great week. Hi, I'm Jessica with PG&E. 811 is a free service to keep our community safe. Before you do any digging, PG&E will mark your gas and electric lines so you don't hit them. Call 811 before you dig. To learn more, visit pg.com safety. This is Anya Radova. I'm the CEO of West United Dairies, and we're doing something a little different to interview um, one of our premier sponsors here at West United Dairies. We have uh, Tyler Bennett with Bennett Environmental, um, and he has been a wonderful ally to the dairy industry here in California. Uh, Bennett Environmental has an exclusive toolbox of super innovative technologies that enable companies, particularly dairies in California, to rapidly and efficiently um, handle wastewater challenges, conserve and reuse water. And uh, we're really excited to talk a little bit more about some of the opportunities they provide dairies here in California. And so, Paul, I think maybe you can give a good background of some of the, the challenges that California dairies face today. Yeah, sure. Thank you, Anya. Uh, and, you know, as you guys know, this is California and, uh, you know, environmental progressiveness uh, is front of the line. And so California dairies face challenges, uh, in my opinion, as far as the big, our biggest challenge uh, would be groundwater quality and nitrate loading the groundwater, um, in my opinion, would be the biggest issue that California dairies are facing. Uh, followed by a close second would be uh, methane from manure. Managing methane emissions from our lagoons and from our manure um, comes in right there, uh, number two. And I, I've been saying this, uh, and people probably heard me, when a dairy implements a solution, it needs to address both of those issues. Both of those have to benefit from whatever solution a dairy puts in. And dairies don't have money to be putting in, you know, one solution for methane and a different solution for water quality. Um, they really need to invest in one solution that's going to do both. But they also have another challenge, and that is you can't do any harm to air quality. You either need to improve or maintain air quality. There can be no negatives to uh, the air quality for folks breathing that. And I've been uh, toured the uh, Bennett uh, digester uh, that they have, the pilots uh, digester that they have on a dairy in Hanford. And I was uh, very excited that it uh, addresses those issues and those concerns that I've had. A lot of our digesters are addressing the methane issue, but they're not really getting at the water quality issue. Uh, and this one was different. And I was uh, very excited to see that. It's uh, very real on the ground. You can go look at it, kick the tires. Uh, it's not pie in the sky. And so I was happy to see that. And um, I'm hoping that uh, you know Tyler can kind of uh, walk us through that process a little bit and tell us a, a little bit about how that works. Uh, but I'm, you know, interested in having Bennett Environmental, who's on the ground in Central California, knows what our issues are, and clearly are coming up with solutions targeted specifically to our issues that we're facing here. With that, Tyler, uh, you want to jump in and um, you know, say something or give us a, a basic of uh, how this thing works? Yeah, sure. Thank you, Paul. Yeah, so, you know, a couple years back, we 
like you just said, we wanted to solve multiple problems that we, we felt the dairy industry was facing. And methane was one, nitrates in the groundwater was the second one, and then also sigma. And so uh, John Scott, my partner, and I at Bennett Environmental, we sat around and said, you know, how do we address all of these issues, or can we address all these issues, as opposed to just tackling one? And so we kind of scoured the world for different technologies looking for something that might uh, uh, you know, solve more than just one issue. And so we ended up settling on uh, kind of a unique um, grouping of technologies that we feel addresses the main ones, especially methane capture and also nitrate reduction in the wastewater. And so basically what we do, it's really, you know, it's pretty simple technology. We, we come off a separation screen on a dairy and we take all that water and we run it through a sand separator and, and manure fractionization where we kind of split the solids further from the wastewater and we go into a tank digester system and the tank digester system is very efficient, very high rate. We can heat it 12 months out of the year if we need to. Well, actually it's just in the wintertime, but we get consistent production year round. And that's the big difference about the digesters. So we're capturing a lot of methane. We don't need a lot of space. We don't need to dig another big lagoon. What we're able to do is run all the wastewater into a tank digester and have a really great capture of methane. In fact, at our pilot, I want to say it's been over 80 to 85% methane content in our biogas coming out of that digester. So it's a cleaner biogas coming out. Uh, and it, it requires less upgrading to get it into the pipeline quality. So, uh, yeah, so that's basically the first step. The second step is more on the water treatment side, where once the wastewater runs through the tank digesters, it goes into another tank, which is an aerobic process, and that's really going after the nitrate reduction. Um, so we have a, a what they call a moving bed biofilm reactor, and that reactor houses anaerobic bacteria. And we feed oxygen to those bacteria by creating an algae raceway, which is off to the side. And we use the power of the sun to get the dissolved oxygen content up in the, in the water stream that the algae is growing in. And that in turn feeds the aerobic bacteria in the tank. Uh, and, the, and we've been consistently getting over 80% nitrogen reduction in the wastewater. Now, you probably would never want to do that much because if you're growing silage or corn or other things, you wouldn't want to take out that much nitrogen. But what, the reason why we did that at the pilot system, which we've been running for two years, was because we wanted to show the capability of what's possible. And so everybody's nitrogen situation is different in terms of you know, how much land they have around the dairy or how much nitrogen they need to export off the dairy. And so what we can do is offer a system that's flexible in terms of looking at nitrogen now, like, hey, we want to take 20% out or 30% out or 40% out and really offering the dairymen some more uh, options for how to deal with nitrogen and how to you know, manage their land and their herd size and all those types of things. So that's been a really cool thing. So we, we have, uh, you know, in short, we have a tank digester system as opposed to a covered lagoon. And there's some benefits of that, like being able to heat the water and get consistent production year round. And then we offer a second phase that addresses water quality. The third thing that we've seen is when the water quality is coming out of the second phase, you basically can run that through drip irrigation at that point. So if you think about Sigma and the challenges that that is gonna put on all of us, we, uh, we have an option for efficient irrigation now to be installed on more ground that would enable um, you to keep more acres in production. 
So it's kind of like we, we have these, these tools or these levers that we can now use. And for, for every dairyman, it's going to be a little bit different situation as to what they need, but it's very scalable. It can be customized for uh, someone's individual situation. And the goal is to take the shackles off of the dairyman and allow them more flexibility in what they do with their herd size, their ground, and also, uh, you know, hopefully making some money in the process. Yeah, that sounds good. That was a good description. And, you know, some of the things that I did note that you kind of talked about is that small footprint, you know, the tank type uh, digester versus uh, covered lagoon. Um, I mean, you know, that thing is just a few square feet on the pilot uh, facility that I saw it on. And then uh, I did kind of want to touch on, it's a little bit technical, but it, it's, it's where my mind goes. Um, you know, you look at nitrogen as a mass balance and where's it going? I, you know, I have people come to me and they say, you know, we'll solve your problems. Uh, you know, and I start, look, well, where does the nitrogen go? Where do the salts go? And uh, on this one in particular, I just, you know, want to be clear, um, you know, so that nitrogen goes into the atmosphere as nitrogen gas, which is 80% of our um, atmosphere anyway. There, it's not, you know, it's not a pollutant and either as a greenhouse gas or uh, for human health, it's not regulated by the air district. And so you're just converting that nitrogen from an ammonia form that would be in the manure into nitrogen gas in the atmosphere. Um, and you're able to, you know, reduce a lot of it. Uh, and, and uh, you know, I think beneficially from a flush manure system, we're not talking about having to make some major conversion to scrape or something like that to make this happen. Uh, you're able to go into a dairy that's a flush dairy and be able to put this on the back end of it and, and treat that. Yeah, you're right. I mean, our, our system was specifically designed for flush dairies. Um, the, the UASB uh, anaerobic digestion system is designed for, you know, lower solids and just more contaminants in the wastewater, which is really what dairy manure water actually is. And so on that piece, we checked that box. But to your point about, um, you know, reducing nitrogen, yes. I mean, the, the end result is that the, the nitrogen is just gassed off as in two which is 78% of what we breathe. So it's not like there's a byproduct that is, is harmful or hard to move. It just gets gassed off. Um, and so, you know, some people, I've heard some people say, well, you know, that nitrogen is really valuable. We want to use that nitrogen, uh, you know, elsewhere. And, and that's true. So, you know, full disclosure, we're not creating something that is sellable per se. Um, but what we are doing is we're just, again, working with the dairyman. We say, what is the best case scenario for your situation? Obviously, we have methane regulation. We have nitrate regulation. And we, we've talked to people that said, hey, look, I could put another, you know, 500 head on this dairy if I, because I have the milk barn to support it. I have the facility to support it, but I just don't have the land. And so that's something that now we come in and we work with them to see if it's a fit and you know see if we can help in that way and in many cases we can we've also talked to other dairymen that have said hey look you know i have all this land around my dairy i'd love to be able to put in another 100 acres of almonds to help me diversify well that is now also possible because we're going to reduce the nitrogen load that's going on their existing land so it just again it's it's probably not a fit for everyone but i will tell you that the majority of people that we talk to they really like how they have options. And to this point, I think in the dairy industry, it's been really hard to find options that are affordable and that can be beneficial to the dairyman. So what, what we do with our package is we come in and we say, 
all right, look, we're going to put in a digester, but we also have the second phase that can reduce the nitrogen if that's a goal of that particular dairy. And then we can also get them better prepared for sigma in many cases if you're in an area where it's looking like you're going to face some freshwater cutbacks. So it's, it's, it's looking at the whole future of the dairy and the surrounding ground, the herd size, the, um, you know, the freshwater supply situation. And we really feel like we're, we're at Bennett Environmental, we're trying not to kick the can down the road on any particular issue or, like you said at the outset, solve one issue but then create a bigger issue in another category. So we're trying to look at this and say, okay, what's best for the dairyman? And we sit down with them and just go through it and start seeing what, uh, what magic can come from a bunch of people sitting around a table trying to figure stuff out. Yeah, and that is what I did like about the system when I saw the pilot system. Clearly, you guys you know, understand our situation uh, in the San Joaquin Valley dairy situation. You guys sat down, you guys put together a package, and that was obvious when I... Uh, you know, went and saw the pilot, you guys were looking at all those different issues, um, you know, solving multiple issues, not creating new issues. You understand our, you know, permitting and regulatory um, environment that we live in here in California. And, uh, you know, that was great to see because I, I see uh, a lot of things, a lot of people come to me with proposals and, you know, they're from out of the area or from out of the country and they really don't understand how California dairies work. Um, you know, the flush system is an important thing that folks got to understand when they're looking at solutions. Um, you know, you guys aimed for that. Uh, the nitrogen um, solution you've got, uh, you know, it's really simple. There's others out there, but they're expensive and complex. Your system is very simple in that regard. Uh, and that's always a benefit on dairies. Uh, it's a rugged environment. Things have to be rugged to be able to deal with that. And then uh, you're right on the, the Sigma piece. I didn't even touch on that. Um, that's not a part of the pilot, but it's certainly the water quality is, you know, reaching that point where uh, you have other options for how you do that. And you can go into, um, you know, low flow systems and um, going into drip and saving water that way too. So, you know, these are the types of solutions we need uh, that solve multiple issues with one, um, one technology. And you guys are definitely hitting that. Yeah, no, we, we tried, you know, and, and, and kudos to my partner, John Scopp. He's pretty well known in the dairy industry as a, as a you know, agricultural engineer and uh, a good civil engineer. And he's just been fantastic to work with because we identified these problems. And I really have to credit him with the research that he did to, to really come up with all of this. And, uh, and the, the feedback that we're getting from, from the dairymen we talked to is very positive. Uh, I think we can, with the same CapEx dollar, we can solve more than one issue um, or, or make it a lot more financially doable for even small and mid-sized dairies. And so, um, you know, we, we're, we're focused on just finding great dairies to work with. I mean, that's really what we want to do. I mean, we know a lot of dairymen just from, you know, having been in the valley for most of our lives, but, you know, it's, it's always great to work with good, good people. And, and help them in their business, add value to their business. And that's what we're trying to do. Um, and I know there's just, it's, it's frustrating because you can feel like you're banging your head against a wall with all these regulations and to have options that are affordable, um, that have good ROIs, um, where we're a company from the Valley and we're not going anywhere. So that, you know, we're, we have a vested interest in the success of the dairy industry because we live here. And I think that makes a big difference. And I think when we were looking at trying to come up with solutions, uh, it just kind of 
kind of came to us that, hey, look, people are looking for uh, more than just one solution for one problem. There's a system that the dairy is a system and we have to fit into that system without changing it um, and just fit into it and, and, and give them more options for the future. And it's, it's, it's a fun ride. Um, right now, we're currently looking for dairies that want to talk to us about our anaerobic digestion offering. Um, and also these second phases. So our, our business model is we bring all the capital to a project and we give the dairy a revenue share based on the carbon credit pricing. So it's pretty similar probably to some other anaerobic digestion models that are out there, but we basically bring the capital, um, we, we engineer and build the project, we pay the dairies for the feedstock or the manure coming in. Um, and we also, with that same CapEx dollar, we can uh, address nitrogen uh, on some level, depending on how much they want to take out. If they want to take out a lot, there's potentially a uh, you know a cost share that we would do with the dairy. But uh, in short, it's a pretty good deal because we're solving these regulatory issues. We're providing money to the dairymen uh, coming off of the biogas revenue, and uh, you know we have the financiers set up. So it's it's a it's a pretty smooth and easy process. Our build process for our digesters is pretty quick because everything that we're doing is above ground. So it makes permitting a lot easier. Um, we're also, uh, we have a model which is a virtual pipeline model where we truck the gas to an injection site as opposed to trying to deal with the utilities and hook in to, uh, to a bunch of different pipeline connections. So it's a little bit of a different approach. Um, I think our competition has great approach as well. Um, we have some great competitors, but our, ours is just a little bit different. So we're, we're wanting to talk to as many dairies as we can to see if what we offer is a fit for them. And uh, so far, we've, we've got some pretty good feedback. Okay. And so what I've seen uh, is the pilot uh, facility you've got out in Hanford uh, with John as my tour guide, John Scott. And I wanted to know if you, you know, wanted to talk about your plans. You, you were kind of talking about your... Um, ideas for, you know, growing from there. Uh, but I understand you've also got uh, some funding for a full scale system. I, I don't know if you want to go into that a little bit. Uh, it, it, you know, so you've had a pilot uh, on, a, on a dairy for two years that you've been able to figure it out and tweak it and uh, figure out what the issues are and, you know, run it on an actual flushed California dairy, very typical um, California dairy, but it is pilot, uh, you know, going from there to full scale um, you know, is, is another step and uh, wanted to see if you wanted to talk about, you know, that next step actually having a full scale operation going on a California dairy. Yeah, no, that's a great question. So, yeah, we've been running the pilot for two years and a lot of what we've done is figuring out what not to do <laughs> as you do with these types of things. Uh, and you can't replace experience. So we've We've really pushed this digester to the limit to see when it would crash. That was one thing we wanted to know is, you know, how hard can you push these tank digesters before they just, you know, have some type of issue. And the issue would be they plug up with solids and you're just not at, you're, you're feeding it at such a fast rate that you're not able to keep up with the digestion and, and those types of things. And so we've really, really conquered that whole strategy of trying to figure out, you know, what what would go wrong at what point. Um, so, you know, since, since that time, we've really had very few issues with it at all. It's really like, it's, it's pretty simple. There's not a lot of moving parts. Um, and the, the, 
the tank digester technology that we use is 40 years old. So it's in food processing plants. It's all over Europe. It's just never really been applied to California dairies. And I think it's important to note that it's not a new technology. It's, it's new in its application to California dairy, but it's not a new technology in terms of the world. It's, um, it's on many di different dairies in Israel, and there's dairies in Europe that have it. There's food processors in California like Pepsi and Sierra Nevada Brewing. So it's just we're taking this very common, very mature technology and, and bringing it to dairy. Um, so, yes, we did get a grant from CDFA for a project that we're going to be starting in probably like two, three months. Uh, and then our plan is to start two other projects this year. So we would be starting three projects in 2021. We probably hope, hope to have two of them finished by January of 2022. And the third one will kind of drag on into the first quarter or so of 2022. And then our plan for 2022 is to build four to five more. And then 2023, another four to five projects. Uh, potentially more after that. So that's kind of our size. We're not going to be the biggest digester company in the world. That's not our goal right now, but we, we really do want to find the right, the right people, the right, the right partners. Uh, and there's definitely plenty of opportunity out there. Um, but yeah, so, so scaling up is something that comes up a lot as you say, okay, well, we've run this pilot system. And so when you scale up, what happens? It's a very fair question. And so as we've looked at this, we've realized that it's a lot harder to manage a smaller tank than it is a larger tank just because you have less room for air. So when you're bringing uh, manure into this smaller size tank, um, it, the, the management of the sludge blankets and different things inside the tank is much more technical because you don't have as much water in there. You don't have as much space and volume. So we're pretty comfortable that when we scale up and go to a, to a tank that's, you know, five, six times the size, that we're actually going to have uh, less issues in terms of something coming through in the wastewater that's abnormal. Um, because really, it, it, it works like a clock in a sense, unless something happens on the dairy and somebody dumps something down the drain that is not normal. Well, it happens. Um, and so the question is, well, what is that? Well, we, we have a living digester. We have living bacteria in there. So we have to be any digester. You have to be careful with what you're putting through the drain. Uh, and that's probably the biggest challenge is just making sure that we all understand that, you know, we do have a living system <laughs> that can, the bugs can die in there if, if they get a shock treatment. But generally speaking, though, we are super confident in, in our ability to scale up. The digesters, uh, these tank digesters have been much, much bigger than what we will be running on the dairies. So there's a precedent there for large scale tank digesters working. Um, and again, like I said, it's not new technology. So it's very proven formulas or textbook. There's, you know, it, it's just something that I don't lose any sleep over that, quite frankly, about scaling up. I think the bigger thing is, you know, from, from outside looking in is, well, what's the carbon credit price going to do over time? You know, that to me is a much more thing that could affect how well the profitability of a project like this goes. Um, uh, but the, as far as the, the risk of scaling up, I, there's just so many uh, of these systems around 
that have been on a much larger scale than what we're running that I'm not losing any sleep over it. Okay. And I, I've appreciated the way you guys have done that. You know, a pilot scale where you can go see it, it's actually on a dairy in California. Now you're scaling up to the next level. And I think that's important for folks to see, you know, a, a piece of it, um, the pilot scale and then the full scale, be able to kick the tires on it, understand it, understand how it works. Uh, I think that helps move forward. I have a lot of people that approach me, you know, and they talk about, you know, something in Europe or something in Canada or something in the Midwest, but there's nothing to see in California. I think you know having that pilot uh, and being able to have local people you know drive to it and see it on uh, you know a dairy that I'm very familiar with and you know how they operate um, you know is is very beneficial. So I, I think you guys have taken the right approach of you know jumping into that pilot, um, you know figuring that out and then moving up from there. And I'm looking forward to see uh, your full scale operations for sure and the you know the nitrogen removal component uh, is a big part of that. It'll be interesting to see when dairies actually choose. You know I want to get rid of 50% of my nitrogen or, you know, 30% of my nitrogen, um, because that's what they need. I completely agree with you. Um, you're going to need to look at your nitrogen balance on your farm and decide uh, what's right for you. There are a lot of dairies that have more nitrogen than they can handle. Um, and, you know, I, I agree with you on it. it in some ways, it kind of doesn't make sense. We import a lot of nitrogen fertilizer into California. But if you're a dairy producer, and you've got too much nitrogen on your dairy and you're surrounded by four dairies on four sides of you that are in the same situation, you know, your options for that, you, you've got, you know, a valuable nutrient, but in your neighborhood, right where you sit, uh, you know, it's more of a, of a problem than it is a resource for you. And so your real solution is you've got to find a way to get rid of some of that, uh, get a nitrogen balance um, so that uh, you can take care of the groundwater. Yeah, that, that's great, Paul. And, and, you know, what you just described, that scenario, I think is a perfect fit for us where, you know, we don't need to just go to large dairies to offer our technology. You know, I think there's been this sort of this conclusion uh, that, you know, hey, you have to have a big dairy in order to put a digester on it because the amount of gas that you're going to produce and so on and so forth. And so we're different. We actually don't mind the smaller mid-sized dairies provided that maybe we can combine two of them together. We can solve the nitrogen problems that maybe they're facing collectively or individually. And we can, um, you know, use the manure from, from say two, two or three smaller dairies and, and put those together and build a digester from there. So that's a great fit for us. And so, um, you know, we're not the oldest digester company out there. But uh, we're definitely, we feel like we've got the best technology um, and we'd love to give dairymen a tour of our facility like you, Paul, that, and, and come out, kick the tires, talk to us and uh, see if it's a fit. Yeah, I really appreciated the uh, invites and the opportunity to go out and take a look at it twice, uh, once before the uh, raceway was in and then once when it was operating. So I uh, really appreciate you reaching out and uh, given me that opportunity. And um, one of those times I was actually with another dairy producer also. So I know you guys are touring dairies on that. And that's uh, you know great to see that folks can go and actually look at it. It's not you know some slideshow, um, it's actually on the ground uh, someplace that they know. And so you know that's great that you've tackled um, the water quality issues, the methane issues. And as you mentioned, uh, you know also looking at Sigma and uh, trying to have ways that we can uh, reduce water use while maintaining our yields. And, you know, as you mentioned, even maybe shifting some land into other crops, uh, diversify the dairy and still maintaining that nitrogen balance and those other things that we have to. So um, I, I'm really looking forward to um, 
you know, where you guys are going with this. I really am excited about it. Um, you know, I, I get contacted by a lot of people and, you know, I would say 99.9% .9 of those don't pan out. Uh, but in your case, I really am excited that it's something that's going to work out. It's realistic. It's uh, economic. You guys thought of all those things on a California dairy um, and you've got a good shot at this. And so I, I'm looking forward to, um, you know, where you guys are going with this. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. And, and I, I've been dying to say this. It's great to be seen and heard. And everyone, I kept saying that all day in the office is I'm going to be seen and heard. And people started laughing. Like, I don't think anyone wants to see you or hear from you. And I said, well, today on seen and heard, they're going to see and hear from me. So great. Thank you for having me. It's uh, always a pleasure to talk to Western United Dairymen and uh, been to a lot of the conferences and you guys do a great thing and it's a battle up there. So appreciate what you guys are doing for the industry. Thanks Tyler for joining us. I, I love that you thought of, um, all the potential challenges that farmers face and that they don't want to be told in three or four years that they have to, you know, do something different. So it's really, really exciting. Thank you for being here today. You're welcome. Thank you. Yosemite Farm Credit is the farmer's choice for agriculture financing. As a farmer-owned cooperative, we are dedicated to serving our neighbors in the agriculture community with financial products and services tailored to your operation and backed with the relationship you can trust. Whether you're purchasing real estate, making improvements to the dairy, or wanting to purchase or lease equipment, we're here to help our members prosper. Visit our website at yosemitefarmcredit.com to find a branch location nearest you. Thanks so much for joining us today. We've been getting a lot more questions about vaccines this week, and we want to let you know that vaccine availability does vary from county to county. We aren't able to address the vaccine issue on the podcast or in our update as a whole because it does vary so much, but be sure to reach out to Western United Dairies, either at our office or by calling your field reps, Melissa or Darby, if you have questions. A huge thank you today to our partners and sponsors and special thanks to Katie Burgess at Blimling and Tyler Bennett and the Bennett Environmental Team for joining us this week. Remember to reach out to us with questions, comments, and content requests, M-L-E-M-A at wudairies.com, Darby, D-A-R-B-Y at wudairies.com, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite listening platform. While Western United Dairies respects the varied views of our podcast guests, please know that views expressed on Seen and Heard may not necessarily reflect the positions of the Western United Dairies Board of Directors. Thank you to Western United Dairies' generous 2020 business sponsors, Gar Bennett, California Dairy Magazine, Farm Credit Alliance, FNR Ag Services, Moss Energy Works, Bennett Environmental, PG&E, and Yosemite Farm Credit. We appreciate our sponsors and thank them for their continued support. If you'd like more information on how to sponsor Western United Dairies or this podcast, please send us an email at info at wudairies.com. That's info at wudairies.com. D-A-I-R-I-E-S dot com.